doesn't, doesn't everything just feel better now? Doesn't everything just feel normal and good and right in the world when you get an edition of AEW Dynamite that feels like AEW Dynamite? That, that is exactly what it's supposed to do as a wrestling fan, as an AEW fan. When you sit down and you watch it and you get an episode like the, the May 10 edition of Dynamite. Doesn't it just like, don't, don't you just feel like a, like a nice shower, a nice warm shower? You know, one, one of these fancy showers, you know, these, these shower heads that, that emulate rain. You know what I'm talking about? I love those. Whenever I can, yeah, I don't, ha I'm unfortunately not, I don't have one here. But you know when I go to hotels and whatnot and they have these, the, the, these setups with the showers that, that, that imitate rainfall. And you're just sitting in there and you put them on just a little warm. Not too cold, but not hot either. Just a little warm and you let that you know, drizzle on top of you. Just trickle, It trickles on top of you. It lands on your shoulders. Doesn't that feel great? And I'm talking about showers. You know, you can do that on a on a good old fashioned like, you know, June rainfall. A nice little, you know, pre-summer rainfall. You go outside and you do that and you just stand there. Doesn't it? Am I the only one who feels that way? Because that's how I feel. That's how I feel today. Refreshed. Reinvigorated. I feel like we're, I feel like we're back. We're back to something that makes me feel good. That episode of Dynamite, man. That's what we're talking about today. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. It's the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Either the channel here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Maybe you're listening to this right here. Consider leaving a like and a subscription. That's fine. If you're listening to this on your favorite audio podcast, thank you. Well, I'm your favorite audio podcast. <laughs> but if you're listening to this on your favorite audio uh, platform, Spotify, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever, thank you very much. Consider giving, you know, reviews, five-star reviews and five-star ratings and all of that. But hot damn! Been a couple of weeks now where I've been a little, uh, you know, not quite, uh, not quite as enthusiastic as I usually am. But I cannot, I cannot sit down here and not gush because this episode was great. This is exactly the kind of dynamite that I that I expect. And I know they were putting it over like early on, you know, Excalibur and the show was saying, you know, oh, this is a, you know, it's a pay-per-view quality show on, uh, on free TV. And I'm like, brother, this is what it usually is. This is, this is how it should be. Don't, don't try to undersell it saying, oh, well, you know, we're not going to do these every week. No, 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 no. This is what I want out of my dynamites. I want great in-ring action. I want shit happening. I want killer promos. Everything connected here. Good pacing. Everything was interesting. Everything worked. The pre-tapes. Just a, a, a top-tier level effort. Just crazy stuff. I loved it. I loved every second of of of, of last uh, last night's shows. Of course, I'm recording this the next day, as you know, and we're all on the cusp of the big news. You know, the, the uh, that uh, that AEW has settled 
into uh, into a new deal with Warner Bros. Discovery. Lots of rumors flying around that it's you know between one billion to one point two billion for five years, including the new Collision show. It's all rumors and speculation at this point. AEW has not confirmed it. Uh, <clears throat> we have heard that. <clears throat> excuse me. We have heard that Warner Brothers is going to make a statement regarding this uh, next week at the upfronts, next Wednesday, and then Tony Khan made an announcement that he was going to make an announcement next week. So this is probably all going to be tied in. Look, I'm telling you right now. You know, outside of this and Forbidden Door and uh, uh, Wembley now at what 67,000 tickets sold if you do not think that the summer season for AEW isn't going to be red hot if you don't think that it's not going to be spectacular uh, in terms of uh, what they have prepared or at least you know Tony's Tony's is getting ready to make his product hot again this is what he's doing. And he's going to take advantage. You know what? And you know what's... Again, this is... Maybe sometimes you just need a little 2020 vision to, to, to you know, to shoot, to, to, to make sure that everything comes across clear here. But um, the fact that he's... That, that AEW is focusing on making their summer really strong makes a lot of sense. Other, why, why wouldn't they, Right? And, and it makes sense because there's not going to be any off-season uh, uh, sports finals. You know, there's, there, ain't, there isn't going to be any NBA playoffs in July or NHL. You know, football hadn't, it won't, be, hadn't, won't be up yet. You know, there's going to be baseball. But again, people get excited for baseball overall once we start getting into the, into the playoffs, into the series. Right now... When you think about it, might as well make your product be as hot as hell over the summer because you've got no competition. Everything that is draining your, your, you know, your, your viewership and whatnot on, on Wednesday nights isn't going to be around. So why not bring CM Punk back on top of that? Debut your new show. This is, strategically speaking, all of this makes sense. We are... Uh, I think to have an expectation, how about this? To have an expectation that AEW is going to be red hot this summer is a is an absolutely 100% reasonable expectation. I think it is going to be extremely reasonable. I'm excited for it. We're going to talk more about the about the deal what it entails, the money figures. We're probably going to talk about it a little more on the podcast next Tuesday. Uh, you know, I'll probably have missed the news a little bit because probably everything's going to be announced officially on Wednesday. I might do a little a little special something. I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see how things go. But um, we're definitely going to be talking about it some more once it all gets official. But the message... Outside of whatever fandom you might have, I can't, I can't stress this enough. You have to be able to look at this. <clears throat> you have to be able to look at this and say to yourself, you know what? 
Wrestling is in a really good place. I made the point of this on 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 Tuesday on the podcast. You should watch it, by the way, or listen to it. On on the Mr. Warren Hay show this Tuesday, I said I I, I I made this point. I don't think there has been a point in recorded human history where there is going to be, uh, effectively speaking, pro wrestling, major league pro wrestling broadcast on television for every night of the week or close to maybe outside of Sundays that depends then maybe there'll be pay-per-views but you're going to have Monday Night Raw Tuesday Night NXT Wednesday Night Dynamite Thursday Night Impact Friday Night Smackdown and then Rampage allegedly will continue then Saturday Night Collision now you're not going to tell me you we we how uh, we can't just sit around here and say there's just a wrestling right now is in a place that has a taste only for hardcores we can't have that discussion anymore not if we're filling out a ginormous i'm sorry i said that an enormous i can't do ginormous anymore i i feel i feel no one can use that unironically anymore they're going to be filling out an enormous football stadium in the uk we're adding Two more hours of programming of AEW on a weekly basis. WWE is going to get a raise. AEW is going to get a raise for all intents and purposes. We might be getting AEW streaming on the the Max, not just HBO Max. Max. I, I, I don't know how anyone can sit back and be like, "Oh, this sucks." It's bad faith. It's bad faith. And you have, you as, 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 as people who consume, you know, wrestling analysis and thoughts, clearly, you know, listening to me and other podcasts and whatnot, you have to be able to zero in on the goofs, on the bozos at this point and say, I can't take this person seriously anymore. Anyone who you're listening to, who is still preaching about the demise of AEW, who's preaching about, you know, the demise of WWE for that matter, Saying, you know, that all of these new deals, all this new money is problematic for some reason. Is it is is not someone you should give your attention to. Or someone tweeting that out on, on, on the Bird app. You have to erase these individuals from your cycle of consumption. You have to focus on people who are giving you like, who are giving you clear-headed opinions based on facts. I'm not making this shit up. These are things that are happening. So when I tell you wrestling is in a good place and probably in a better place than it has been in decades, I have, there, there is visible, tangible evidence to back that up. I'm not just saying that because I feel like it, because it's actually out there. And here's an opinion though, that I think you could back up with facts, but I also could be argued. I think that, I believe we are in this good place in regards to pro wrestling as a whole because of all elite wrestling. Because if we still only had WWE as our main major league point of, 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 of focus, I don't think we would be in such an exciting time for pro wrestling in general. And I'm talking about an exciting time for WWE because I think WWE has had, has had exciting times and I loved, I, you know, I thought the Puerto Rico show was a lot of fun. Don't get, you know, I'm not trying to shit on anything. I, you know, WrestleMania had lots of highs. 
Don't get me wrong here. But whatever happens that's good for WWE isn't necessarily good for the business of pro wrestling in general. Now, I think it is. And I think, I think wrestling is in a very good spot and that is because AEW returned pro wrestling, gave back pro wrestling to the North American audience and I think that's why this is so significant. I think that's why this is working. That we could argue on as to whether or not this is all thanks to AEW. We could, we could have compelling, a compelling discussion. But for anyone else saying, you know, moving the goalposts again, anyone who said they wouldn't fill out Wimbley, you, you delete the, you unfollow them, you delete them from your, your podcast followings, you, you unsubscribe from their YouTube channels, you, go ahead and do it. Anyone who said that isn't worth your time. Anyone who said that, anyone who's, who's now saying that, you know, oh, they're filling out with Wimbley because of CM Punk is again completely off kilter. You got to stop with this. This is fantastic news. Of course it's fantastic news for AEW, but it's fantastic news for wrestling fans. We have always deserved competition to WWE. We've always deserved it. We've got it and it's paying dividends and it's paying back in, in, in billions. This is a billion dollar industry. For real now. And it's not just WWE and their we make movie shit. We're pro wrestling. Pro wrestling fans should rejoice. Instead of being petty stupid fucks. Trying to make this some kind of us versus them situation. I don't care if you don't like AEW. That's fine. But if you're posing as an analyst, as a pundit, as someone who's like, oh, man. And you're saying to yourself and you're, you're telling your audience. Oh, well, this is failing. This is bad. AEW's in the mud. You're a joke. But I want to talk about this show. I, I, I really didn't want to talk that much about, uh, about the, um, about the the upcoming new TV deal, but here we are, 13 minutes in, for 15 minutes in. What am I saying? Because I want to. Because this show was stacked to the gills, stacked. We saw it. We saw the you know the the graphics, and we we're like, this show is stacked. It's going to rule. But I don't think we realized just how much this was going to rule. Double Jeopardy match opened the show. Claudio Castagnoli defeating Ray Phoenix, um, basically guaranteeing that Claudio and a partner will have a shot at the Lucha Brothers uh, uh, tag team titles, Ring of Honor tag team titles. And look at what, look at how this show started. My favorite way to start a dynamite with action, and not only with action, without any introductions, without any presentations. You know when Raw starts. When Raw starts, you you know you turn this, you flip on the station, then you can get up 
And you can go get a drink. You can cut yourself a nice piece of apple pie and put it in the microwave to warm it up a little bit. Then, you know, once it's done, you get the ice cream, you put a scoop of vanilla on top, make it a la mode, and you come and sit back down, you know, five, four, four, five, six minutes later. You haven't missed a goddamn thing. But here, if you, there was no time to get your apple pie, much less get it a la mode. If you did, you missed out on a match. You missed out on some great shit happening. These guys were in the ring. No presentations. Tony Khan telling us with this, with this start, hey, y'all better sit your asses down and get ready because, you know, this, this rocket ship is about to take off. And boy, howdy. I love this match. What a great way to start. The, the, the ongoing tradition of Dynamite starting off with a super hot match. No four-way promos, none of that garbage. No eight-minute promos, 20-minute promos, none of that. Wrestling. I thought this was fantastic. I don't know if they messed up the they being Claudio and and, and and Phoenix. I don't know if they messed up the 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 walking suplex spot. You know, it. I'm not sure. I, I watched it. I rewatched. I wasn't sure, and I'm still not sure. But Claudio, I, I didn't make it up the steps. He was with 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 Phoenix in the in, in the suplex spot, and so they came back down and they did a, a rail spot instead. Now, if that's if, if they improvise that, if they, you know, oh, because they blew the spot and instead of trying to do it again, hmm, you know, it's like, oh, no, we got to hit this spot. They did something else. And this is what pro wrestlers are supposed to do, folks, if this was the, this was the case. Regardless of whether, you know, I'm just taking an opportunity to say that I have enough faith in these two pros... To say, well, look, it looked like it whiffed, but they did something else. Instead of looking around and trying to figure out, oh, shit, outside of other promotions and shows where everything is so fucking scripted that if something goes off the rails, everyone ends up looking like fucking deers in the headlights. That's not pro wrestling. This absolutely ruled. Springboard Golden Triangle by Ray Phoenix. Goddamn that singles, Ray Phoenix singles run. This Ring of Honor, AEW, I don't care where it happens, but it's got to happen. And Claudio is just excellent. And every time I see this man wrestle, I get a lit, it adds to the amount of bitterness I have towards his booking in World Wrestling Entertainment. Every single time I see that guy confident a monster a beast and that the athletic specimen that he has always been when he was doing the singles thing when he was doing the tag team with chris hero when and the promise upon which he was brought into wwe but never lived up to that potential you would always see these sparks of greatness you know in the you know whether in the 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 uh, you know Early on in the Swiss Superman days or, you know, the, the best of seven series he had with Sheamus and in the tag team with Sheamus, right? But they never just let him uncork. Now he's uncorked. And 
I, I'm just stunned and amazed every time. And, and, and I remember doing post shows. Here, here's a little crow I'm ready to eat. I'm doing the post shows over back on Fightful. And I'm bemoaning the, uses, the usage of, of Claudio. And I'm saying, we are missing out Claudio in, his, in peak, at his peak right now. At his physical peak. And, and he's doing nonsense. He's doing five-minute jobs. He, who cares, right? And, and I bemoan that as a shame. But I look at Claudio wrestle these days and I'm like, this guy is unreal. He is still in his peak. He's been, has he been in his peak for 10 years and it just won't stop? Amazing stuff. We got an Alpamare water slide, which I, at first I thought was a burning hammer. But then I realized, I was led to, to realize, no, 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 no. Alpamare water slide, which was the, the, you know, the, the torture rack gimmick into the slam. Hammer and anvil elbows, Ricola bomb, hell of a match. What a way to start. Rene Paquette is backstage and she runs into Miro, who says nothing and walks into Tony Khan's office. Miro. Where is Miro? There is Miro. He is on television. He got, Tony Khan got a text. From, uh, from Miro saying, hey, brother, I hear you're, you're landing a multi, you're a billion dollar deal. You know, I'm willing to listen to some creative ideas you might have. I'm, I'm excited. Let's, let's talk, brother. <laughs> or, or CJ's like, CJ wants, you know, an extension to the house. She wants to extend, or she wants to build a guest, a, a guest house in the, you know, in the, in the yard, in the back. It's like, hey, hey, Miro, go walk in there. Suck it up, pal. Because <laughs> legitimately speaking, don't get me wrong. I mean, we're, we're goofing here, but legitimately speaking, off of the news of all this influx of money coming in, we, it is not uh, 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 unreasonable to believe that a lot of wrestlers are going to come sit into Tony Khan's office and, and be like, hey, um, let's talk about my deal. Right? Not unreasonable to believe that. And it's not unreasonable to believe that a guy like Miro would do exactly that. And then later on in the evening, we're going to knock all of this out of the way right now. Thunder Rosa as... Rene Paquette is actually still outside of Tony Khan's office and like, we're waiting for Miro to come out. Thunder Rosa pops in and she's like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to Poppy Khan or Poppy Tony, Poppy Khan, Poppy Tony. Yeah, I bet he's Poppy Tony now. I bet, I bet he is. After getting buried uh, on all access by Britt Baker over and over again. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Then she goes into the office and I'm like, what if, what if CM Punk sort of shows up and then walks into the office and we get all the malcontents sitting around with Tony in his, uh, in his locker room and his, uh, it, oh, I thought this was fantastic. I, I enjoyed these segments. It, it hit me in all the right spots. I'm ex this makes me excited for the future. 
Then we get the first of four, uh, the first of four, four pillars uh, video packages. We're gonna run the, I'm gonna group them all into one thing. I won't, you know, they're spread throughout the evening, but we'll settle it all right here since I'm, I'm talking about it. We, of course, we get one for MJF for Sammy, Darby, Jungle Boy. MJF compares uh, the, the pillars to, uh, compares the pillars to the Beatles. Says Sammy Guevara is Ringo. Jungle Boy is uh, uh, is uh, uh, George. And Darby is uh, John. Whereas, of course, MJF is Paul. Um, and uh, and I'm thinking about Sammy Guevara as, as Ringo. And that really sucks. But he says, you know, what, does it, what did MJF say? He said something to the effect of... He said something to the effect of uh, Ringo being super talented but stupid, right? And I think it's the opposite. I think Ringo was smart enough to know what what he had gotten himself into, but was complete. He's a dork. He's he as talented as the three other guys are. As talented as John Lennon and 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 uh, Paul McCartney are were at. Um, uh, at writing music, uh, and 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 at playing and composing, Ringo is just—he's basic. He's a basic ass drummer. I think it's the opposite. I think Ringo Starr was not necessarily talented, but was smart enough to realize where his butter, where his bread was buttered, and just like, yeah, I'm just—I'm just gonna shut up and do my thing. Look, overall, these were all quite good. Quite good. I thought they were very good. And as it stands this so far, probably the most compelling stuff to come out of the Four Pillars feud, quite frankly. And I really, really like how each of the challengers, MJF just talked about himself, but in, in the challengers videos, they all had vets come in to vouch for them all people that they had been paired up with right you had uh, uh you had a uh, 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 sting for darby you had jericho for sammy of course you had tay as well but tay you know she's biased girlfriend you know but you know jericho cutting you know putting over sammy sting putting over darby and you had fucking christian cage and that was the highlight of these videos christian cage Talking about Jungle Boy, saying, "Look, if he can get his ass, he had. If he can get his head out of his ass, he's going to be fantastic. He's super talented, even though like he's he's a, he's a bitch or whatever he said." And I'm like, "This is awesome." You know, you have asshole Christian Cage, who's still there, being like, "No, this kid's great. He, he, he's a. I hate him, but he's great. You know, kind of thing." I thought that was so good. What a great idea. Um. All this worked. I don't know what to tell you. This is this is my favorite part of the entire feud. And had they been doing this week after week instead of you know those fucking cringe promos promo offs, this would have been fantastic. And I'm not not all of the promo offs were cringe. I'm talking about specifically the cringe ones, like the one where they had where Sammy Darby and and, and Jungle Boy were in the ring. That that one was just the, the dirt worst. And isn't it odd? And I'm just going to put this out there. Isn't it odd 
that the week there is very little focus outside of these videos, but very little focus on the four pillars feud is the week that dynamite is just great. Huh. Food for thought. FTR are in the ring. They want to apologize for Mark Briscoe, but instead of getting Mark Briscoe, they get Jeff Jarrett and his gang comes out. Sanjay Dutt says FTR should, they, ha they, they have one job, they have one thing to do tonight, and that is to accept our challenge for your belts. Dax says they'll do it if they admit that they've been using Mark Briscoe to get to them. Well, Mark Briscoe comes out and he's got some plastic cups, you know, like, you know, like, you know, for, for large sodas, but he's got all these plastic cups and a, a bottle of drink, probably tequila. And, uh, and, you know, he says, look, we're going to, we, you know, we're, we're going to ease everything off here. He says, I talked to Tony, the match is going to happen at double or nothing, and I'm going to be the special guest referee. So he all starts pouring out the, the, the drinks and whatnot, and Jeff Jarrett kicks the cup away because apparently, from what I hear, he's sober. He doesn't drink. So, you know, there's that. And, and everything breaks down when uh, Sanjay does a Kanemaru special right in, on, on Dax Harwood's face. You know, he spits out the, the tequila, which blinds Dax. So they, everything breaks down, and it ends up with Mark Briscoe being shoved into Dax and Dax instinctively lands a pile driver, which I think is really funny. This segment is, you know, this is this is, you know, the 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 absurdity of pro wrestling that I dig. You know, like everything that happened here was just like so all over the place, and you're like, only in pro wrestling would any of this happen, right? And it and I think it's particularly funny that the guy who, you know, he's blinded, so he's fighting on instinct. His instinct is to pile drive a dude you know the guy gets shoved between his legs and he's like pile driver <laughs> it's supposed to just like drag him down but of course it's pro wrestling this is the kind of stuff that's i can suspend my disbelief on because it, it's 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 corny weird wonderful pro wrestling i i like the segment anyway there's hurt feelings all around to wrap up the segment the heels gloat and whatnot and so we're so we're getting it FTR versus Jared and, and Lethal at uh, Double or Nothing with Mark Briscoe as the special guest referee. Renee Paquette is backstage. She interviews Chris Jericho. Probably my least favorite segment of the night, FYI. Uh, he says he, uh, he takes issue with everyone being thrilled that Adam Cole got the best of him. And attacked him by, by, by attacking him unprovoked, unwarranted, while he was doing commentary last week in a segment that I really liked. Uh, he says Cold has, uh, has created an unsafe working environment, so he got a court order to say that he can't be in the same building at the same time as Adam Cole. Roderick Strong arrives and he says, look, Adam Cole is my best friend and he has his own court order saying that the... Jericho Appreciation Society can't be at ringside when they fight each other and they're going to be fighting each other next week in a no-holds-barred uh, type situation. Uh, no, no, a false count anywhere type situation. So Roderick Strong uh, stepping up for his boy. Uh, I wonder if this is all like, are we referencing... Are, 
is AEW making fun of itself? You know, with the court orders and you know, the is the you know the CM Punk stuff, the 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 legal papers. Is, is this are you know are these references? I don't know. It it crossed my mind. I forgot to mention in the MJF video, right? We actually saw CM Punk. He was actually mentioned by name, you know. I know people are making a big deal out of it, but at this point, we, we all have to, like, it's settled, right? I don't think anyone is going to be legitimately surprised that CM Punk is coming back. Like, I think it's clear at this point, isn't it? It has to be. But anyway, I, I, I not my favorite segment. Because yeah, ultimately, I find this is a little too sports entertaining. You know the uh, oh I got a I got legal paper saying that this, and 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 we had the thing with Jade and and Taya in the meantime and well we have you can't use this finisher and like yeah paperwork in wrestling and your boy Warren it, it doesn't always connect as you may know sometimes it does most of the time it doesn't I don't think what it, I I don't think it adds much here Tony Khan appears I love this I love this setup that they have with Tony where he's in his suit and he's reading off a teleprompter he looks so professional and he's talking about how good the show is and whatnot and he's saying that you know I've got stars in the back lined up looking for chances to wrestle referencing Miro and, and Thunder Rosa right so he says, it's clearer than ever that AEW can produce more great content every week. And I've got a big announcement. One of the biggest announcements. No, he said the biggest announcement in the history of AEW. And people are like, is it really the biggest? Who cares? It's a pro He's promoting. He's a promoter. He's in promoter mode. He's on his television show. If he's talking to the press, that's something else. I don't give a shit. You can say this is the biggest night in the history of our great sport. And I couldn't give a shit. That's fine. It's promoting. Who cares? Fact is, if they get the deal that they're supposed to get, yes, it will probably be the biggest announcement in the history of AEW since its inception. Yeah, yes. I would concur. Anyway. And, when, and there was a thing where he said, we're going to announce it on TNT next week and that threw people off into a tizzy, who care? Like, again, I don't know what it means and it is a little confusing. You know, I don't care if it's announced on TBS or TNT and people are like, does this mean that Dynamite's going back to TNT? Maybe, I don't know. I, uh, why are you asking me? <laughs> no, nobody's really asking me. I'm, I'm doing a bit here. Um, the point being is that it, we're, we're going to find out soon enough. We're going to find out next week. As of next Wednesday, even before Dynamite, we're going to get the news. So he's just going to come and, you know, lay it all clearly for the AEW viewing audience, right? To say, new show Saturday nights on TNT, maybe. Maybe maybe he just got a little confused. Maybe he just got a little excited. I don't know. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It, it, it ultimately doesn't matter. I don't think there's a big conspiracy thing here. And maybe, T, you know... I heard some people speculate going, oh, maybe uh, maybe they're going to announce it during uh, uh, an NBA game on TNT. And I'm like, that's actually a good idea, but actually also kind of weird. But there's one thing, there's one thing that I think everyone should reasonably expect him to not do at his announcement next week on, 
on Dynamite is to talk numbers, right? I, he's not going to talk about the amount of money that the company is going to be getting. I don't think so. He's going to announce that there's going to be an extra two hours of programming every Saturday and whatever that's going to incur, right? They'll probably, maybe they'll talk about it at the upfronts, probably. Tony Khan will probably address it on Busted Open or whatever. We'll get the numbers. We'll, we'll know what the deal is. They're going to put out a press release. But Tony Khan is not going to talk about the numbers in his announcement, I don't think. Besides, that's not the point of what he needs to do on his entertainment television program. It's to tell people on this day, there's going to be an extra two hours of AEW programming. And this is what's going to happen to Rampage, maybe. I don't know. Then we get the um, the workhorse, Orange Cassidy, defending his AEW International title match against Dan Garcia in a match that I really, really liked. And I think I liked it more than a lot of people did. I think everyone agrees that this was the, that, that the match was very good. I thought it was great. I, I me, it's in a it, it's in a high level uh, positioning on this show. You know, as much as I thought the. Uh, the opener was 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 great. I think this was better. I think this was better. I love this match. The usual shenanigans to start with in an Orange Cassidy match, you know, with the, you know, with the, the the goofy stuff and the hands in the pockets and all of that, which is fine because I've said this before regarding Cassidy matches. They get this shit out of the way because the audience loves it. They pop for it. They want to see you know lackadaisical. OC, but as the match progresses, he becomes, you know, more involved in the match. He works harder. There's always this through line that always makes sense. So they do it at first, and then as the match progresses, it progresses, it becomes more and more of a spectacle of a wrestling match. And this turned into a pure wrestling match with tons of heat, mostly thanks to Dan Garcia. And again, I... I have to have, I was telling you all at first, who, what are the signs that you should stop listening to a certain podcast or a certain pundit? What are the signs, right? I gave you some at first in regards to AEW's business. I'm going to give you another sign right here. Stop listening to people who don't, who, who, who are still saying that Dan Garcia is just a guy in a pair of boots. That he's got no personality, he's just a guy in trunks and boots. Anyone who says that, outing themselves that they don't watch the show, or that they're bad faith, or both. And, and, and you eradicate these people from your, from your vision. It has to stop. Because Dan Garcia is under... I've been saying this for weeks at this point. His, he's, his charisma's been growing. He's understanding his character. Working with Jericho has brought out the entertainment aspect of pro wrestling. We're joking about the sports entertainment thing, but this guy gets it. He knows who he is. He understands his presence, his performance, what he has to do. This guy has personality now. And he oozed it in this match with Orange Cassidy, a guy who is all personality. That if you don't keep up with it, you're going to get outshined. This was a perfect pairing. 
both in regards to their their, their skill set, but what they bring as wrestling personalities. They're at the antithesis of each other. It worked. And again, we're continuing the story that Orange Cassidy's fist is still a problem. And then in the meantime, because for instance, the beach breaks, they can't, he didn't land them effectively. He couldn't put Dan Garcia away because he can't hook, hook the, 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 the neck properly because his fucking arm hurts, his wrist, his fist, whatever. So what does Dan Garcia do on top of that? He works the leg. He's like, look, you've already got one limb that's destroyed. I'm going to destroy another one. That's what I'm saying. He's got the personality, but he's not abandoning good in-ring work, good in-ring psychology. He's the best of both worlds right now. So he works the leg throughout because what's his finisher? It's a fucking sharpshooter. The dragon tamer, he calls it. It doesn't quite work. He reverses into a crossface where while he's in the crossface, while Dan Garcia has Orange Cassidy in the crossface, he's stomping on uh, uh, Orange Cassidy's hurt hand with his heel. Just, I'm, I'm sitting like this and I'm like, this is great. He's going to win. But he didn't win because Orange Cassidy does a couple of little reversals, gets him into the mousetrap again and squeaks by with another win. And this has been the story of all of Orange Cassidy's previous defenses for the past few weeks, he's been squeaking by wins. That was even the story when he faced uh, uh, um, uh, Gabriel Kidd at the New Japan show a couple of weeks ago, at one of the collision shows. I don't remember which one. I think it was the one in uh, Philadelphia, where he just, he squeaked by with another win. This is, so someone is going to figure out how to get out of the mousetrap, and when that happens, Cassidy's done. He he's lo he loses. He's he's donezo. This is what we're building to. Orange Cassidy squeaking by wins, but writing's on the wall. And look again, commentary talking about his winning streak. He's got twenty plus victories. I don't know where he's up, but they're putting that over, and it's legitimate and it feels real as opposed to Jade's, where we all know Jade's has just been beating. Undergar, undercard people, the jabrones, the same people. Where Cassidy is actually fighting some of the stars, some of the real, uh, some of the real people. So that streak is meaningful. They have to be careful with, with how they how they treat it because it's it could potentially overshadow Jade's uh, Jade's streak. It could potentially overshadow Jade's streak. Not necessarily in length. I don't think they're going to go up to 50 wins with Orange Cassidy. I think he's losing, a, he's losing the title at double or nothing. Whoever his opponent is. But the length of the street isn't going to overshadow Jade's. But the importance that the fans are going to address it. Are going to imbue it with. That has absolutely the potential to overshadow Jade's. In my opinion, it already does. Because his... His winning streak is actually really cool and impressive. He's been working every week. He has a gamut of, of great people uh, uh, that he's defended against. Orange Cassidy's run with the international title has been outstanding. And you know what? I'm going to put this up here. If anyone wanted to put Orange Cassidy on their shortlist for wrestler of the year, I wouldn't have a problem with that at this stage. 
maybe he doesn't have like the big high profile, you know, five star, uh, 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 high profile victories, you know, against really, really like top matches, main eventing, these big shows. Maybe. But if you're looking at work rate, you're looking at through line storytelling, you're looking at, you know, a, 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 a series of defenses, quality of opponents. There has been nothing on these dynamite shows. The one thing, that no matter how weird and wobbly dynamite has gotten over the past few weeks, Orange Cassidy's matches have always been highlights. They have always been constant, consistently great things to watch, to enjoy, to get into. Consistently. This was a fucking highlight. We get a video package. The Outcasts and uh, Britt and Jamie Hayter trade uh, promos. They have a promo off. Look, fine stuff. It's just, I have to get into this. I'm already three quarters, three quarters, uh, we're, you know, 45 minutes in here. And there's still, you know, when I tell you it's a packed show, you watched it probably. You know what I'm talking about? Because I got to get to this. Christian Cage hits the ring for a promo. He's got Luchasaurus by his side. And I am stoked. I am excited. I'm like, finally, some legit promo time for Christian Cage. He's got Tony Schiavone in the ring with him. Tony's holding the mic. And we get treated to a S-tier promo. One of the great, one of the great ones. This was extraordinary. And folks who wondered, oh, could he recapture the same type of, of heat that he got during the Jungle Boy feud? I think this has been answered. This was phenomenal. Phenomenal delivery. Phenomenal execution. And points. Everything, the content was just so spot on. He says, you know, being who he is, he has the luxury of walking into the boss's office to make demands. So that's why he asked for being to be the, the number one contender for the TNT title. I'm like, hell yeah. And then he wonders why so many guys in this company have daddy issues. Because their fathers are dead, that's why. But, it, and I'm like, oh shit. And he says, because Wardlow, not unlike Jungle Boy, is another guy who had a dad. And he says he's not going to waste his breath, unlike with Jungle Boy, he's not going to waste his breath on Wardlow's dad because Wardlow's dad wasn't famous and nobody cared. <laughs> and I cannot believe that those words coming out of his mouth. And the audience... It's completely turned on him. There's, they're getting, he's getting shut the fuck up. He's get, chance he's getting edge was better. Chance. He is getting booed vociferously out of the building. To the point that he's raising his voice as the promo continues. Because this audience is so fucking loud. And look at what he's not, he's not turning around. He did it at first, right? Just to, you know, when you get into the ring, you start your promo, you sort of just get under the skin of the audience. 
But the more the promo progressed, he, he did not stop to address the audience, to look around. He fought them. He was like, you motherfuckers are being loud. I'm going to be louder. And that just incensed the audience more. This promo rule. And then he goes after Arn Anderson with the daddy issues thing. And saying, you were supposed to look after your son, Brock, who's in this company. But no, you turn around and you see you see Wardlow in the shiny belt. And you're like, I'm going to hitch my wagon to him. And you know, that one, you know. And that's a parallel to your career, right? That's a parallel to your career. I guess being the other guy on a team with Tully makes you a legend. I guess being Ric Flair's lapdog makes you a legend. And I am melting at how fantastic everything this guy is, is delivering is. And he, he grabs, he yanks the microphone out of Shivani's hand. Tony's still holding on to it and he, he doesn't like, Tony doesn't let go and Christian Cage yanks it out of his hand, out of his hand, gets, oh, and Detroit, kiss my ass, hits the, hits the bricks, music, music hits, just a, a perfect promo segment. This is what I mean when I've been telling you over the past couple of weeks, especially in regards to the four, the four pillars, especially in that regard, when I'm telling you, we should be having these these killer promos. This is the this is in this company. There are all timers on the stick in this company. Why aren't they? Why aren't we giving them more time? And we get this dynamite filled with great action and killer promos. I and I'm sitting there and I'm like, this we're back, baby. This is it. This is the this is the dynamite that I love. I got it right here. The heat and the heat and look, it's been going around. People have been doing the comparisons and people are saying that's not fair. And I think it's absolutely fair. And I'm going to make it here as well. I'm going to parrot these. This is not, I, I, I can't take credit for, you know, saying, coming up with this, but this is real heat. This is not Dominic Mysterio phony fake heat where people are like, <laughs> look. Yeah, it's Dominic Boo. <laughs> it's not that. We don't like you. <laughs> this was real fucking heat. This was not heat where it's programmed in your promo to pause and look at the audience so that the booze can grow. No! This is, there was no need to pipe in any booze here. This is the kind of heel heat promo that you absolutely should plaster in the face of anyone who says, oh, wow, the heat dominant gets. No, sir. No, ma'am. This is legitimate. This is not contrived. This is not put together in an effort to. No, no, no. This is a guy who knows exactly what to do who knows exactly what to say and on top of that has the chops and the charisma to pull it off. The Dominic thing, it's all ironic. And at some point, it's going to fizzle out and it's going to burn out. And when they have to go back to give Dominic something else to do when people are legitimately fed up about it 
And they go, I will take back the Mysterio name again. I'm sorry, Dad. And he and Ray kiss and make up. And I'm sorry, Papa, Pap. And, and it'll be all downhill from there. Mark my words. Christian Cage, every time, nails it. This was scorching hot. And I still can't believe there are people out there who will continue to try to convince me that Edge is the better prospect. Oh, I couldn't wait to, I can't wait to get Edge and Christian in AEW. You don't want Edge anywhere near Christian Cage. That's not a benefit. Extraordinary stuff. No holds barred match. Julia Hart defeated Anna J. I don't think this was a particularly good match, but it wasn't terrible. Um, we got the big spot of a gory bomb on chairs on the floor by Anna J. And they flubbed the superplex finish onto the chairs, which kind of a shame didn't necessarily ruin the finish but you know the chairs were there <laughs> you know you're like they set up the chairs in the middle and I don't know if it's Julia Hart who didn't extend enough on the on the suplex or if the the chairs were laid too much in the center of their I don't know Julia wins the the match with the cross face it's all right Julia still has tons of work to do you know she She's got a personality. She's got, you know, she's got charisma. This House of Black thing is working for her. It really is. Um, and I think Anna Jay, you know, Anna Jay, she, you know, she also, I think, she, you know, she needs work too. I don't know how much you can get out of her, but if Anna Jay wanted to take on a hardcore moniker if she wanted to be like the hardcore plunder match specialist of AEW not like a Tommy Dreamer for instance you know I think that would work for her because she she's very entertaining in these plunder matches and hides a lot of her you know bell-to-bell -bell weaknesses and I think she, I think she's taken a liking to them. I think she's very good in them. She's, she's, you know, maybe, look, there's all sorts of brain trust over there. They can do whatever they want. What I'm saying is if she ever wanted to become like hardcore Anna Jay and her thing was, you know, doing the Raven shopping cart and bringing out shit and whacking people over the head with it and, and doing plunder matches and that being her thing, I think that would be a, an excellent way to go for her. I think it, I'd be all on board with it. I think she's very good at them. Renee Paquette is again backstage with the best friends and Bandito, or as Trent called them, the best amigos. They're getting ready for their match um, with the uh, House of Black. Orange Cassidy thinks he has enough room in his... Uh, Jane Sport for three more belts. Chuck Taylor is asked to pick the final rule because of the House of Black rules. Okay, let's talk about the rules. And I think they're clear now. I think I, I thought I understood them last week. I think I thought. 
I thought the DQ thing was like, will it be no DQ or DQ? And that's the dealer's choice, like the opponent's. But no, they're, they're okay. These are the rules, right? 20, 20 second countouts. Great. No rope breaks. Fantastic. DQs are enforced. Okay, so like in any other match? All right, sweet. Um, I think that's a little weird. And then there's dealer's choice, which would be the opponent picks the stipulation. That's what it is, because that's what they had Chucky e. T pick, where, the, where Renee was like, well, what do you guys pick for your... And everyone's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. We're supposed to pick a stipulation? You know? So... It's nice to see that the staff, the wrestlers are just about as confused as we all were. Um, again, I thought I understood them, but clearly I didn't. Um, and uh, But no, it turns out it's dealer's choice, meaning you can pick any stip you want. And the pick that, that they have is that they're afraid of Julia Hart because he's a spooky witch. So all witches banned from ringside. Whereas it could have been anything at all like, you know, the stipulation is um, only uh, uh, only Malachi Black can pin a guy in the match, right? That could have been something. Or no submissions or whatever. You could go wacky. You could go very normal. Um, so, I th- I, you know, so that that's what the best friends pick in all of this. I, I think we got a grasp of the rules now. So they leave for the match and then <laughs> in a fantastic... Just a... A lovely little moment to add to everything I'm enjoying here. Renee is left with Orange Cassidy who says, do you have a final word, you know, to encourage your pals going out? <laughs> Orange says, no, Renee, I am so tired. He just lets his head droop. And Renee goes, me too, bud. <laughs> and I, again, I can't help but wonder is... Is this, are they spoofing themselves? Is AEW just like, God, we're, so, I know. And they're coming out of it, so now they're joking about it, which is good if they're able to joke about it. That means that, anyway. So this leads into the match where the House of Black successfully retained the AEW trio's titles against uh, the best amigos. Um, I, I thought the lighting, the effects, I'm down with it. I think it's fine. I think it's good, actually. Make the match feel special. You know, people are like, the House of Black doesn't feel special anymore. They're trying. They're doing shit. These special matches for the trios. The environment, you know, with the with the spotlight in the middle, everything gets darkened. You have the embers on the video walls and whatnot. I, on the, the, the Tony Tron. I think it rules. I think that is a good thing. And this is, you know, the match itself, competent, fine, nothing to... I would have liked the rules to have been enforced in some, to some degree. Like, there weren't any rope breaks, you know, nothing. Just let us see one of the rules in action. I think that would have been fun. But, I mean, this was fine. As I said, House of Black retains after Chucky e. T eats uh, uh, a Dante's Inferno. Inferno. Uh, post-match... We go backstage again, and Orange Cassidy gets got laid out by Ozzy Open's Kyle Fletcher, who is challenging OC, freshly squeezed for his international title. And that's probably going to happen on a rampage or something, I believe. And uh, I'm down for that. What do you tell? That match is going to rule. 
chalk one up more for our boy Orange here. We get a sizzle reel for Ricky Starks and uh, Jay White for next week on Dynamite. I really thought we were heading into pay-per-view territory for this, but apparently not. That stinks. And I don't understand what they're doing with uh, Jay White at all. I really don't. Look, I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. One thing that I was expecting here was Jay White and and and, and Ricky Starks to come have a, a, a promo off. I don't know why two of your best mic workers that you have in your company right now, two absolute gems, can't get into the ring and trade barbs with each other, banter. It'd be outstanding. So we're getting it next week. The blow off. But... I smell an angle. My spidey senses are tingling. I don't think this is as straightforward as it seems. I still think they're going to be doing something for double or nothing. And probably the stakes are going to be raised a little bit. Which doesn't mean that the feud is any better. I don't think it's... I don't... I think it's been flubbed. I think this feud has not been good. But we'll see. Probably talk more about it next week. We'll just leave it at that for now because I really want to get into the main event here where John Moxley defeated Kenny Omega in the steel cage match. Chaos, violence, blood. Your boy is happy. I love this kind of stuff. I love the chaos. I this was great. Just a great match. A fantastic main event that ends with intrigue. It all starts before we get to the end. It starts with the chaos. It starts with John Moxley attacking Kenny Omega during his entrance, which then gets the Blackpool Combat Club involved, which then drags the elite out. Still no Hangman Page, by the way. Nick Jackson flies off a stage. So then security and the officials get involved and all get, shoo everyone backstage. Got no time for this. We got, we got to get to our main event. Lock him up in the cage. It's brutal. It's violent. Mox at some point is even fucking taking the top rope apart. He's doing his part for the ring crew. Still paying his dues after all these years. And he's taking the ro top rope apart and he's using the hook to fish hook Omega. Barbed wire chair in the ring shredding both dudes back. Mox, of course... Crimson Mask, get glass in the ring as a throwback to the glass table spot from all the way back in 2019. And listen, this ain't a this ain't a wrestling match in a cage. This is a cage match. This is cage as a weapon. This is cage as in keeping two guys who have a grudge. Keeping them together inside the ring so that they just they can't escape. So that they can maim each other. So that they can hurt each other. This ruled. Compare this to any of the Hellenist cells from the past six years. This felt brutal and violent. Like a big natural step in a, in a grudge 
match in a blood feud. It worked. Kenny Omega V-Triggers Mox so hard that they blow the side of the cage. They just blow it out. Mox tumbles to the floor. Kenny Omega hangs himself over the fucking beam thing. A pipe. Everyone's like, oh shit, he's hurt. What a great seller. So that allows Mox to grab a screwdriver off of a, uh, off of a, uh, a tech guy. He gets a Phillips head. I'm assuming it's a Phillips head. I'm assuming you do more damage with a Phillips head than a, uh, than any other. He gets back into the ring with Omega. He goes to stab him. Don Callis jumps in to save Kenny Omega from being stabbed by John Moxley. Kenny Omega lands the one-winged angel on the glass but can't pin John because Don Callis stabs Kenny Omega in the forehead with the, with the, 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 the screwdriver, putting the screw job in screwdriver, betraying his nephew, his actual blood relation, and Mox gets the pin. Fantastic. What a chaotic, messy, destructive match that dissolved a, a solid relationship, a true betrayal, a swerve. Callus tries to stab him again, can't instead opts to say something to him, kiss him on the forehead and hits the bricks. Kenny Omega's busted open. God, pro wrestling is great. Everything was visceral and emotional. And now you're, how can you not root for the baby faces here? It has been an upward struggle for the elite. And they can't even trust, they can't even trust their own. Next week, when Hangman Page returns and says, you can trust me, Kenny, Jesus Christ, the place is going to blow the roof, it's going to blow the roof off the place. When I say next week or the week after. This is what we're going for. Yeah, Don Callis, he's fed up of all this shit. Kenny's not listening exclusively to him anymore. He's listening to the Bucks and so on. He's, uh, what the fuck is going on here? So he hits the brakes, takes a powder. Where does this leave him and Takeshita? Where does this position Don Callis with the, with the Blackpool Combat Club? I don't think this was planned because Brian Danielson was on commentary, just had this enormous sadistic smile. He was just pleased, thrilled to the gills at everything he was looking at. The shots of Danielson, his face lighting up at the betrayal. It was just everything here connected. Every little detail they put into this match, into this finish as well. Everything worked. Professionals, this is world-class stuff, folks. And now I'm thinking about this and I'm excited for next week. Get me excited for AEW, for Dynamite again. And I, that's all I want. This ruled. And now Don Callis is referencing hooking uh, getting acquainted with will osprey now right he did he added something something bruv to his 
to his Twitter profile. I'm like, oh, that motherfucker. Because of course, of course, Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega is happening again, right? We, I, I'm hopefully there will be a follow up to the, one of the greatest wrestling matches in history. I, I I hope everyone realizes that there's still money to squeeze out of this feud this year, whatever wherever it happens. Forbidden Door Two, Wembley, whatever. That's we'll discuss that at another time. And if you add Don Callis turning his back on Kenny Omega to the mix to this mix. There's your heel, brother. There's no question here. Fantastic. Opens up so many possibilities, so much intrigue. I know people are talking about Kota Ibushi, Kota Ibushi. Think about Hangman Page returning. Think locally. Think about the guys that you should be caring about as opposed to creating the dream matches. I want to see Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi do shit again in my lifetime before everything wraps up. Of course I do. Don't get me wrong. But isn't the natural story progression here is Hangman Adam Page being like, look, Kenny, I'm I'm on your side and I'm sorry. And Kenny going, I'm on your side too, Hangman, and I'm sorry. And they hug, they make up, and they go into double or nothing. And the elite proper destroy the BCC. Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that a good fucking story to tell? I think so. But before we get there, we're going to wrap up this, this edition. Great show. Had everything I love about Dynamite. This felt like AEW Dynamite. I could not be more excited. I think it showed how excited I was. This review throughout it all. I can tell because my throat hurts. <laughs> I got to learn to not do what I'm doing right now all the time. Leave a like on this video <laughs> leave a like on the video subscribe if you want more of this I'll be back on Tuesday with another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes show where we'll probably be talking a lot more about AEW and the business side of stuff but let me know what you thought about Dynamite in the comments or reach out to me I'm on Blue Sky now so if you're on Blue Sky uh, come, and, uh, come and say hi over there in the meantime I hope you all have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next time